Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens. And I'm Drew Mascarelli. And also joining us today from the Theater 10 podcast, my ex-podcast co-host from way back in the day. Why don't you introduce yourself? Rest in peace, I want the truth. Uh, I'm Owen Larkin, uh, occasional podcaster, uh, watching too many movies, uh, sometimes with Drew. It's been oh, years. Oh, how many? I, I was on, I forget why I was looking at your letterbox the other day. How many logged movies do you have for this year? Cause it, for this year or it in was general? Shocking. It was uh, this year, how many movies have you watched? Because the number was shocking to me. Okay, this year we're looking at 337 <laughs> so far. Wow. Hey, real quick. So I, I don't understand the this year part of it. Because it's like if you go to my letterbox, it mm-hmm. says I've watched three movies this year. Or it says three this year. It's. Brian, I can tell you why. It's because you never log movies on Letterboxd. You mark them as watched and you rate them, but you never hit the little green circle in the bottom, which adds them to your diary. Oh, shit. Yeah, if it has the date next to it, then it can count exactly how many you've watched every year. Oh. Yeah. The I... fucking kids are taking over this episode. Get out of here, <laughs> old man. The boomer is learning stuff here. I'm like, I've watched more than three. I've watched a shit ton of movies this year, compared to, especially compared to last year. Um, but that is an ungodly amount of movies. Um, oh, last year was even worse. So, you know, things have slightly gotten better, I would say, this year in terms of, you know doing things besides watching movies but But before we get too into the show what is um in your opinion um the best movie you've seen this year Ooh, best like movie that's come out this year or best movie in general just no just the best movie you've seen this year it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to have came out this year right all right um let me let me think about that for a sec um I would say the best movie I watched this year. Um, t- I'll give you two. I'll give you two. Jackass, two. Jackass number two is a masterpiece. You're correct about that, Drew. Um, the two I would go for would be um, William Freakin' Sorcerer, mm. which is such a good movie. Completely took me off guard. Just like... Movies don't get more intense than Sorcerer. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I, I just added that to my watch list last night. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to, to watch all of Freakin' stuff. Uh, yeah, Freakin's awesome. French Connection rules. Um, Cruising is a really good movie by him as well. Um, but the other movie I'd recommend, and I know it's like one of the, it's like known as one of the best movies of all time, but I finally caught up to it. But um, Sydney Lumet's Dog Day Afternoon, I finally watched this year. And Same. I just watched that this year, too. Oh, so good. I was like, oh, that really, oh, what a good movie. Yeah, I hadn't seen it till this year, too. It, it, it's on uh, HBO Max. So, uh, right, right, I've right. Been, I've been yeah. going through a lot of HBO Max and being able to see some classics. So Yeah, Pacino's so good in that movie. Like, what a great performance. Yeah, that movie is feels like way ahead of its time, too. Like just Certainly, yeah. Just amazing. Um, all right, sorry, we, we kind of hijacked the show for a minute. Uh, we have a crazy episode. Not only do we have Owen on, and uh, really happy to have you as a guest, but Drew has got a new segment for us. So uh, we've got some trivia. I'll let him introduce trivia here in a minute. We've got some media hot takes, and then we're going to finish with a review of The Green Knight. Uh, remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash call to pop, Twitter at Cult of Pop, 
And on uh, TikTok at Call of Pop, uh, Drew, I don't know if you know this, but we're blowing up on TikTok. We're just we're we're raging right now. Are you doing dances? Uh, it's mostly because of your take on the Weasel character from Suicide Squad. Just so you oh, know. Oh, damn. How's that doing? That's it's <laughs> it's blowing up. That was probably one of my favorite segments we've ever done is talk about the Weasel character on Suicide Squad, by the way. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. It's because uh, I was whispering, essentially. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Um, all right, Drew, introduce us to this weird world of trivia that you've you've got for us. Okay. Um, I don't really know how to introduce this overall. I don't have an overall intro. I just have intros for my three segments. But basically what I have here for our two contestants today, and I, I wanted to have Owen on for this episode because um, time and time again, having spent uh, a lot of time around Owen in my life, he comes through with just these incredibly specific pulls and like, oh, yeah, the dog in Game Night and the dog from Widows are the <laughs> same dog. And just, you know, yep. maybe the human IMDb. But, Brian, you I, – I have faith in you in this competition here. I think it will be close, but I think um, this is this is a fair match. I don't – I'm not playing favorites in this race. And I, I want to explain the rules to you guys because all these uh, rounds will follow a similar rule structure where you can interrupt me reading the prompt at any time by saying your name. That is how you buzz in. Okay. After I acknowledge you, so Brian, I'm reading the prompt. You say, oh, Brian, you think you know the answer. I'll say, Brian, let's hear what you have. You say either something correct or something wrong. If Brian is incorrect, I will read the rest of the prompt to Owen and he gets however much time he needs to either answer correctly or incorrectly if you get it correct you win the point there are five questions per round three rounds total um i was thinking about this earlier there's like a totally real possibility where this ends in a tie uh <laughs> originally my my plan here was to ship the winner or in the case of uh, Owen winning drive to his house which is like four minutes away from me <laughs> yeah. and give him a dvd copy and you know what? I said I was thinking about doing this. We're doing it. In honor. Uh, never mind. Um, the winner of this here trivia competition will earn the right to be the new rightful owner of my DVD copy of the classic 2002 film Master of Disguise. Wow. Who's excited? Wow. How could you not be excited? Oh, hey, everyone, look under your seat. I am look now. I am like mind is on i am ready for i this. i um i thought you were gonna say um you were gonna buy a copy uh for whoever wins this of the general specific but we'll let's see here near here they're there yeah you can still see the price tag on the back of this dvd that says i bought it for 199 at goodwill wow oh, wow but, but but without further ado we should get right into this folks all right, this summer's hot, but this podcast is about to get a hell of a lot steamier. Here on this call with me tonight are two of the hot, youngest stars in Hollywood with big dreams. And folks, let me tell you, they'll do anything to land a role. Brian Owen, why don't you take a seat on the casting couch? <laughs> Why'd you name it that, Drew? <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Yeah, so the rules are simple. I will read to you a list of cast members from an unknown movie. Your awesome. goal is to be the first to correctly identify the film they all appeared in together. Who's ready to get freaky? Let's do it. One question. Right. I buzz in with my name, correct? 
Correct. That's what I do too. Okay, I'm ready. And I will be reading these names slowly. You do not have to wait for me to stop at any point to buzz in. But once you buzz in, you have to guess. And if you're incorrect, you are disqualified from the rest Fair of the enough. question. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Question one. Weird Al Yankovic. OJ Simpson. Jesse Ventura. Dick Vitale. Priscilla Presley. And last but not least, Leslie Nielsen. That is your final hint. Brian. Brian. I have no idea. I'm just going with Naked Gun because you said Leslie Nielsen, OJ Simpson. Brian, that is correct with Naked Gun. First point on the board. Let's give him a round of applause, folks. At home, if you're driving your car, you better be pulled over right now. Hazards on. All <laughs> I, right. I did not know, real quick, I did not know that Weird Al Yankovic is in that movie. I've seen that movie 20 times. I didn't know Weird Al was in that movie. No, the, I t- seen that that I, the reason I didn't buzz in on that one is because I wasn't sure which Naked Gun movie we were doing because I thought that could be any of them. I was yeah, like, there, there's nothing on here that's so a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no sequels. Got it. Okay. Uh, no sequels. Okay, I'm ready. At least that that was not my intention. Okay, <laughs> question two. This, in hindsight, might be the hardest one in this entire bunch. Give okay. it to me, baby. <laughs> Charlton Heston. Okay. Toby Maguire. Ooh. Susan Sarandon. John Lovitz. Elizabeth Perkins. And lastly, Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Oh, holy shit. Let me think about this for a second. That's a bunch of random people. <laughs> this is a lot harder. The, the... Can we get a repeat on that one? Charlton Heston. Okay. Toby McGuire. Susan Sarandon. John Lovitz. Elizabeth Perkins. And Jeff Goldblum. Owen. Owen. Is the answer... Uh, Cats and Dogs 2001. Owen, oh, the answer is Disney's Cats and Dogs 2001. Wow. Congratulations, Let's sir. Go. It is I remember Goldblum and Toby. That's the one. That's the pair I f- could remember. John Lovitz told – which one does not belong in that? Uh, Charlton, Charlton Heston. Heston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? That was really throwing me off the first time. I was like, what is this? All right. Question three. Okay. Andy Dick. Norm MacDonald. Riza, Ray Owen. Romano, Owen. Owen, that is correct with funny people. Congratulations. Oh, nice. Last hints there were Eminem, Aubrey movie. Plaza, Bo Burnham, and Adam Sandler. <laughs> okay, question four. This is Owen with two points, Brian with one. John Favreau, John Bernthal. Owen. Owen. The Wolf of Wall Street. Jesus Christ, man. That wow. is correct. Nice. Hi, that okay. that I, wow, that is impressive. Yeah, I organized. I had several more Johns to read through in that. <laughs> I did it all Johns, and then slightly more obvious. The second you said John Favreau, I was like, it's probably gonna be the Wolf of Wall Street, and then the next <laughs> birthday, I was like, okay, I got it. Okay, question five. This one, I'll be impressed if anyone gets this before the last clue, but we'll see. This okay. is another incredibly random assortment of human beings. Britney Spears, Ben Affleck, Robert De Niro, Tipper Gore. What the fuck? Osama Bin Laden. (laughs) What? Stevie Wonder. Tucker Carlson. Ruth Uh, Bader Ginsburg. And lastly, Michael Moore. 
So Brian, Brian, uh, the the, shit, what's it called? Faux news, the faux news documentary. Brian, that's incorrect. Oh, man. Oh, and the floor is yours. Okay, is this Fahrenheit 9-11? Owen, this is Fahrenheit 9-11. Owen taking the oh, for this wow. first round. We'll do these best two out of three. So whoever That's... wins two rounds is our overall victor. Oh, I want all your questions, Drew. We're doing the whole all three rounds. Come on now. Oh, no, 100%. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> this is maybe uh, the most esoteric round. Hold on. I have another okay. music cue. <laughs> I forget. Oh, okay. I remember which one this is. Okay. Um, folks. Everyone knows about the three Chris's of Hollywood. You know them. You love them. We got Chris Pratt, Chris Tucker, and the boy, Chris Kyle. Welcome, America, to which Chris is which. Okay. I will read our two contestants the question. Oh, fuck. Fuck! I will read our two contestants' quotes, each attributed to one of these great men. Their job is to be the first to buzz in to correctly answer the question and say it with me. I fucked that up, too. Their job is to be the first to buzz him correctly to answer the question. Say it with me, America. Which Chris is which? Gentlemen, are we ready? So wait, it's Chris Ky- Chris Kyle, Chris Pratt, and who's the other Chris? Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Chris sorry, I, I I was slurring my speech there. I, Chris Tucker, I'm, Chris okay. Pratt, Chris Kyle. Correct. Okay. I'm ready. Quote oh, dear God. Number one, and you can it's interrupt me at any time. We've created a society that protects itself from the darkness and the death and destruction that's all around us. There's probably a stack of dead bodies in a morgue within six blocks from here, but it's so gross that we keep Brian. compartmentalized. Brian. Chris Tucker. Incorrect. Ah, oh, shit. Is there more to the quote? That, that is it. That's the quote? Okay, I'll guess Chris Pratt. Owen oh, correct with Chris Pratt. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Okay. Question two. This is a short one. I travel. I do a lot of traveling around the world. Which Chris is which? Brian. <laughs> Brian. Chris Tucker. Brian, correct with Chris Tucker. I, I wonder if he was talking about his flights on Jeffrey Epstein's yes. plane. What were you doing in Africa with Kevin Spacey, Chris? All right. All tied up for round two. Question three. I am a strong Christian. Not a perfect one. Owen. Not close. Owen. It's Pratt. Owen, incorrect. God damn it. Not close, but I strongly believe in God, Jesus, and the Bible. Man, I feel like it could have been any three of them. Like I, I, Owen fell for my trap. I did. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Chris Kyle. Brian, that is correct with the wow. American sniper himself, Chris Kyle. <laughs> Question four for round two. I've eaten weird things through the course of my life. I've eaten wild game. I've eaten possum. Possum's no good. Brian. Brian. Chris Pratt. Brian, correct with Chris Pratt. Where does that put the score for this? Owen with one. One. Brian with three. three? Yeah. All right. Question five. Not that this is deciding anything, but for bragging rights. Why a ball cap? 90% of looking cool. Or ninety percent of being cool is looking cool, and you look so much cooler wearing a ball cap. Owen, Owen, Chris Kyle, Owen, correct with Chris Kyle, wow. famous ball cap yeah, wearer. That's how I figured that one out. All right. <laughs> um, 
so for this final round, less of an introduction. This is less of a gimmick round than the other ones. I had I had a, a strong theme with the casting couch, which Chris is which <laughs> I created because I had that phrase in my head and needed to retrofit it into something. But this next round is a little something we're calling back of the DVD case trivia. Ooh, wow. I have five pictures on my phone here of the backs of DVD cases. I have omitted key details, whether that's character names that are giveaways, actor names that I think would be too obvious. I've actually, okay. actually, all the actor names are gone. Again, interrupt me at any time if you think you know. Gentlemen, are we ready for our first DVD case? Let's, Let's get it go. on. It's all, it, this is the match point, folks, if you're keeping score at home. It's getting tense. <laughs> blank returns to his iconic role as the comical and endearing Blank. In this outrageous comedy adventure, Blank can't believe his luck when he wins a camcorder and an all-expense-paid vacation to the French Riviera. But during his train journey to the south of France, he falls face-first with a series of mishaps and mishaps and uh, unfortunate coincidences, all of which are caught on camera and far-fetched enough to ensure his own makeshift entry into the Cannes Film Festival. Blank. Oh, Owen. Oh, Owen. Oh, oh. uh, Mr. Bean's Holiday. Owen correct with Mr. Bean's Holiday. What the fuck? They, I would have never guessed that movie. In a, I didn't even know that that was a movie, to the be honest The film festival detail gave it away to me, because Willem Dafoe plays a director who's mm -hmm. parodying Lars von Trier in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for the... Oh, hold on. Actually, let me delete that last picture so I don't pull it up again. Keep myself organized here. All right. This one starts with a quote from a review, unattributed. It will leave you talking for days. Critics are calling Blank's directorial debut mesmerizing and all the gripping action jumps right off the screen on Blu-ray disc. When two young private detectives, Blank and Blank, are hired to take a closer look into the mysterious disappearance of a little girl, when they soon unravel a multitude of twists and turns Brian? where nothing is... Brian? Is it nice, guys? Brian, it is not nice, guys. <sighs> okay mysterious disappearance of a little girl they soon unravel a multitude of twists and turns where nothing is what it seems ultimately they must risk everything even their lives in the search to find her blank and blank are even more electrifying in spectacular 1080p for this edge of your seat blu-ray high definition presentation blank quote will have you talking long after it's over hmm See, this sounds very generic. Yeah. So that that does not the lack of details is really this could be anything. Um There there is a key detail here that I think is a bigger giveaway than that it's a missing girl. I mean, that's why I said ni nice guys. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a directorial debut. Oh, the, the I, yeah, detail. shit. That's the part that I guess I yeah. Shane Black is obviously Yeah, cuz he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um Mm, a directorial debut about a missing. Oh, oh, I got it. I got it. It's uh, oh. Gone Baby Gone. Correct. Oh, yes. damn. That's wait. That's a. I dude. I'm impressed. That's pretty awesome that you pulled that out of your ass. Wow. <sighs> yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Like I don't know how Ben Affleck just really just popped into my mind there. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that one, the reason I chose that is because they have to mention how pretty it looks on Blu-ray twice. <laughs> that was another detail because it was giving me away that it was like, okay, so this is like late 2000s. Because uh, that's yeah. what Blu-rays are like. Look at this stunning 1080p. 
All right, so uh, it's two to nothing right now in the final round. Getting smoked. Beneath the surface of small town serenity lies a dark domain where innocence dare not tread, and unpredictability is the norm. It is the haunting realm of blank. Spawn from the mind of blank. We'll, we'll, we'll hold on that blank. Blank is a, quote, shocking, deeply disturbing, startling mixture of the heartfelt and the horrific. And that's a Newsweek who said that. Clean cut blank realizes his Mayberry like hometown is not so normal when he discovers a human ear in a cornfield. His investigation catapults him into an alluring, erotic murder mystery involving a disturbed nightclub singer and a drug addicted sadist. Soon, Blank is led deeper into their depraved existence to the point of no return. And Rolling Stone called this one an American masterpiece. And I am. Hmm. I can read you some uh, special feature names if you'd like some help. Sure. <laughs> New digital transfer supervised by blank. <laughs> Mysteries of love documentary. Deleted scenes montage. <laughs> Original Siskel and Ebert review. That helps you with a time and place. Mm. That's that's all that'll help mm. you. Man, this is a tough one. I I, I feel I like assume, okay. Go, yeah, go no, ahead. I was gonna say the the ear the finding the ear in the in the, the corn field is that what's got me. Like I'm stuck on that because I'm like trying right, to remember right, right. is what movie does he find an ear in a cornfield? Yeah, I definitely haven't seen whatever this is because that, that detail is not sticking out in my brain. Um, I figured both of you would have seen this, but I could be wrong, and I'm checking now. <laughs> um. Human ear in a cornfield. That's the one detail I'm kind of clinging on to as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I I think neither of you have seen this movie. <laughs> that that would I guess that's gonna. Uh... All right. So are we forfeiting? No, this no, 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 no. Drew, oh. you're not forfeiting this. You're gonna give me. You're gonna give. Um, can we get a release year? Oh, yeah, that, that, that might help. 1986. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this has to be an 80s horror movie of some kind. Oh, uh, uh, Brian. Brian. Uh, Blue Velvet. Brian with Blue Velvet. Correct. Blue Velvet. Yeah. Haven't seen it, so. Um, I I, I, ha- I have seen it, Um, so, but it, I, I don't know why that didn't stick out to me. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I was thinking it was like a John Carpenter movie. Like I was like, is it like Christine or something? That's where mm, I that's was thinking. That's fair. It does that description. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It like accurately describes the movie, but uh, when you said 1986, uh, my mind immediately went to Blue Velvet. That's the only thing. I, that's the only thing I got. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for what is this number four of the final round? All right. Let's. It's do it. still anyone's game. Yeah. It's true. All right. Pulled one out of my ass. Sorry. Yeah, that's true. Fasten your ergonomic seatbelt. You're in for a hilarious ride through the inner workings of blank. The outrageous hit comedy that will, quote, strike fear into the little hearts of every boss everywhere. New York Post said that. Unable to endure another mind-numbing day at Inatech Corporation, Q 
cubicle slave blank gets fired up and decides to get fired. Armed with a leisurely new attitude, and this is where it gets kind of misogynistic, and a sexy new girlfriend, blank, <laughs> he soon masters the art of neglecting his job, which quickly propels him into the ranks of upper management. And then the next is just uh, saying who directed it, which will refrain until later. But we can we can get there if we have to. It's okay. propelled into upper management. I have an idea. This is the I, hit I'm comedy. I'm not entirely sure what this movie's about. This will strike fear into the little hearts of evil bosses everywhere. Uh, <laughs> evil bosses uh, everywhere. Um, man, so Siskel and, or uh, sorry, Roger Ebert says this is a savage comedy. Kevin savage. Thomas of the Los Angeles Times says sharp and funny. I'm Brian. I'm just going to say horrible bosses. Brian, incorrect. I'm going to say my only guess is on this, and I don't know if this that's it, this is entirely what this movie is about, but I will hazard the guess just in case. Is the answer Joel Schumacher's falling down? Incorrect. Damn it. Last paragraph. This is... I guess it doesn't really matter. Written and directed by Mike Judge. Office Space. God damn. I, I almost said Office Space, but the Inatech thing threw me for a loop because I I didn't. I don't know why. It sounds very sci-fi. Yeah. I was like, what is the name of the company that they work for? Uh, yeah. Damn it. All right. Yeah. Okay. The final question. It's still two to one. We could. I, I mean, if I so I have to get this to tie right. Yeah, and if it's tie, I'll break the DVD in half and send you each. <laughs> no. One of you get the front cover, one will get the back, then you get two sides. Uh, let's see. The Arizona Daily Star says, This film is so much fun. Disney's legendary group comes alive as blank star in their first feature film. Chronicling one of the most heartwarming family adventures ever, Blank is packed with hilarious comedy, fantastic fun, and foot-stomping music for the whole family. <laughs> Blank, Blank's young number one fan, fitting Whoa. in with his... Hmm? Uh, nothing. You said Blank. Blank's his number one fan, so I'm just picturing... Oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was a buzz-in. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. I'm just picturing somebody banging their number one fan. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a young child. Oh. Fitting in with his all-too-human family is proving impossible. Owen. Owen. It's the Country Bears. Owen with the what Country the? Bears. I've never even heard of this movie. <laughs> One of the most twisted pieces of children's media that was ever released. Yeah, it's like, it w- seems like it was like the concept art for Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> oh my what, what, wait, what's he doing with his number one fan? Yeah, he's like a groupie. He's following him around. He's yeah. a big fan of the Country Bears. They're like... Oh they're going God. around. They're singing their songs. They're stomping their feet. They're playing the the washboard. Imagine, imagine, almost famous, except it stars animatronic <laughs> bears. That is the country bears. Okay, and it's the most frightening. Like, look up what the country bears look like right now. It oh, is so okay. Disturbing. Let's see. All right, let me. Th- <laughs> this is a Disney film. Oh, yes. Yeah. Fun fact about the country bears, actually. Uh, Sidetrack. <laughs> sorry, but they. Uh, the Country Bears was like a massive flop for Disney back in 2002 that almost to the point where um, 
they Michael Eisner, who's the head of Disney, uh, shut down production on Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl for a week because he didn't think that uh, theme park movies could work. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, my God. This this so is horrific. This yeah. is horrific. The, it, I, I mean, they're literal, like, animatronic bears. Like, they're not yeah. – it's not even a cartoon or CGI. This is, like, creepy level. Yeah, it's, like, Five Nights at Freddy's. It really is. Uh, the cast is insane, though. Haley Joel Osment, Diedrich Bader, Christopher Walken, Brad Garrett, <laughs> James Gammon, Stephen Root. I mean, this is Drew Country Bears, Queen Latifah. Wow, uh, Drew. I, I just want to say that was a, a a very fun game. I was skeptical. I'm not gonna lie. I was skeptical how this would work on a podcast format. I think it was a lot of fun and uh, well well earned victory, Owen. Um, Thank oh, you. And congrats on your Master of Disguise DVD. Hey, uh, I've never seen it, so I'm me excited neither. to find out why Dana Carvey dresses up like a turtle at one part. Yeah, that's all. That's like the one thing I remember from the trailer is like, are you feeling a little turtly turtle? Well, yeah, you yeah. know that they shot that scene as 9-11 was happening. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I did see that on Twitter. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah they, they paused the filming of that scene. Uh, while they were shooting it with Dana Carvey in the Turtle Man costume, oh my to have a moment God. of silence for 9/11 happening that minute. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, that is. Uh, can you can you imagine? Like, uh, uh, can you imagine being that fucking suit? <laughs> oh my God! All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's. I think we're gonna definitely have to do that again. Um, we're gonna have obviously Owen on uh, if as long as the. Um, the listeners don't riot for if they, you know, who knows? Oh, and you could say something very controversial in the next uh, 45 minutes. So just, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know you. I don't know. You could go off, you could go unhinged right now. Um, but it, Tell me Russell Crowe in 2020 because keep... I'm feeling a little unhinged today. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's move on to media hot takes. Um, and I'm going to kick it off um, because I'm, I'm feeling pumped and jazzed and I, I'm going to uh, build off of Drew's first round game and I'm going to, um, list the cast of this movie that I just watched uh, actually last night and see who can guess the uh, the film if you guys have okay. and I don't know if you've seen it maybe you have maybe you haven't um, all right ready uh, let's see start with uh, Julia Julia Stiles Jack mm-hmm. Wallace William H Macy Rebecca Pigeon Alec Baldwin and Philip Seymour Hoffman um, this this feels like it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh God, what is? That? Yeah, I have no idea. I just make the games. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is also in this. Laura Silverman, yeah. David Paymer. Uh, that's all, pretty much all the big names of this. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want a director? Yeah, I'd love that. David Mamet. Oh, okay. This is the. Is it called State and Maine? That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Owen right, is a winner again. Right, right. Defending yes. champion, Owen. Uh, have either of you guys seen State and Maine? I no. have not, but it's a movie that comes up a lot when you're like looking at actors' filmographies, and you're like, what is this movie that a bunch of people are in? Yeah. Um, so you know, David Mamet is kind of one of those directors who I think uh, when people hear the name, it's got a lot of clout behind it. And I think that's mostly because of his his writing acumen. He's written a, he's written a lot of stuff, and also you know his plays. He's known f- for his plays, and I think in particular, um, in terms of movies, 
I, I've seen a lot of his movies, and um, they're to me they're just kind of so-so. So I, I've seen uh, um, uh, the Spanish Prisoner and the Winslow Boy and uh, Spartan and Red Belt, and they're they're all okay movies, but there's nothing that really blo- that has really blown me away. Um, but I will say that State in Maine is by far his fest, his best directed film. I absolutely love this movie. It, it's a if you like film, uh, which I obviously we all do here. It's very inside baseball, right? The movie is completely about um, this. Uh, William H Macy is a director, and he's trying to get this this film made. And it's a uh, written by Philip Seymour Hoffman as the writer, and he's this famous playwright who it's very he's very David Mamet. I'm guessing like the there's some mm-hmm. parallels the there. Self insert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, but th- the whole movie is based around this old mill, right? And they're they're in uh. A, a, uh, a town in, I think, uh, Vermont because they were kicked out of New Hampshire. They couldn't film in New Hampshire anymore, so they had to move to Vermont. And they picked this town because there's an old mill. But they don't realize when they get and, until they get to the town is the old mill has been burned down and it doesn't exist anymore. And the name of the movie that they're making is called The Old Mill. So they're like in this – they're just like – they're kind of fucked. And, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman is like distraught. They're like pushing him to rewrite this entire script and figure out, you know, how to work around it. But it's also about this like small town that they've taken over and just the juxtaposition between Hollywood lifestyle, small town living in uh, the uh, very northern parts of New England. And it's got this very warm feel. And also Alec Baldwin's character is um, it's a bit part, but it's hilarious because (laughs) – he is this like huge actor. I think like Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt, but he also um, has a penchant for underage girls. And so he, um, there's a scene where you can only assume that he is um, getting oral sex and he wrecks his car into the one stoplight in town um, while a Julia, Julia Stiles who is under the age of 18 is giving him a blowjob. It is wild but it is also a lot of fun, lots of humor, and a very, very satirical take on uh, filmmaking and Hollywood um, productions. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I thought it was a ton of fun, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is, like always, just wonderful mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, so, I've heard good things on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, how many how many people from New Hampshire do you know? I actually know three. My best friend's wife is from New Hampshire. What about me and Owen? Oh, you guys are both from New Hampshire. Oh, I did not know that. I know I a lot more people from New Hampshire than I thought. Hands up. We've got you surrounded. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Owen, we'll let you go next. What is your media hot take? My media hot take. Um, I'm going to drop, you know, I, I, because I'm I'm feeling the floor right now, I'm going to drop two media hot takes on you. Oh, wow. Because I don't like to be overly cynical, but I saw a movie um, yesterday that I kind of want to, I kind of want to talk. Actually, I saw two movies yesterday. All right. Beside the point. Um, but I saw this movie um, that was like a big hit at Sundance called Nine Days, um, which I which got like a ton of buzz out of the festival for like being like this really like deep movie about life and stuff. And I just thought it was really shallow, and it kind of bummed me out, honestly, because I was like, 
a lot of reviews of it have compared this movie to um, Pixar's Soul, mm. um, which, like, I guess makes sense. They're both about, like, um, like exist outside of reality, where it's like, uh, this guy has this house, and these souls come in, and through the process of nine days, the title, uh, this guy has to uh, go through, uh, like, all their passions and stuff. Uh, to try and find out exactly, um, like, who gets to be the life that's presented into the real world. Um, and there's, like, a series of elimination and stuff, and it's very uh, somber. And I didn't care for the movie, and I was really just, like, it felt very fake deep to me, where it's like, wow, look at how much this means something. When like even like a movie like Soul, which is definitely which is definitely like for kids, feels like de- dealt with these themes much better. In addition to that movie being like minimalist animation, so that sort of stuff lends itself to more of these uh, baseline thematic ideas. So when you're just watching this dragged out for two hours in a movie that's mm. shot for like <laughs> two two weeks, it it didn't work for me. Um, I was I don't know I was just like. So when you say like hot takes, that was the one that immediately came to mind where I was like, yeah, I just was, didn't didn't click for me like I wanted to. Uh, the other movie I saw yesterday was Free Guy, uh, oh. which was a nightmare. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not going to go into that, though. My positive hot take that I will say, a movie that does deserve more recognition, not from this year, uh, is this movie I've watched twice in the past two months. Um it's this movie from 1972 directed by Peter Yates called The Hot Rock. Um, this movie is definitely one of the most fun movies I've seen in a while where it's basically um, if you like heist movies, if you like the Ocean series, like anything, any Soderbergh heist movie pretty much is based off of the structure of this movie down to the T. Um, where the movie's about Robert Redford being this charming criminal uh, who uh, gets released from prison and gets hired by uh, this this like African uh, leader to steal a diamond uh, from this like fancy museum, and he's got to put a get put together a team of wacky guys, um, and then you know the plan goes wrong, and then they got to break a guy out of prison, but it's like all the stakes are just like it's so loose with everything that it just makes it such a blast to watch. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, Quincy Jones did the score. It's very jazzy. Uh, all the, all the transitions are very much what Soderbergh loves to do. Um, great movie. It's leaving the criterion channel at the end of the month. If anyone, uh, has that. And it's also like hard to find streaming out elsewhere. So I'd highly recommend it if you can, if you can get it in. It's funny you mentioned that. I was actually uh, going through Robert Redford's. Um, I just recently watched um, um, Three Days to the Condor, and uh, oh yeah, and I was like, yeah, I want to see some more Redford. And that movie came up, and I was like, I never heard of it, um, and I thought about it, but I didn't pull the trigger. So um, yeah, thank you. Tons of fun, yeah. Uh, the thing about Nine Days, I, I thought was interesting because that was uh, a movie that I, was on my radar as well, and uh, I mean, it, it has like glowing reviews. So yeah, it, it's really. Like, 
I guess I get why pe- what people like about it. It just really it's it's one of those movies that feels like um, you're watching it and you're like, this would definitely be better suited as a play than like mm-hmm. an actual movie. Um, and I feel like you can make a good if it, like you can make a good movie that's just like you know people talking in a house. Like you just have to be creative about how you direct it. And the movie's not like it's very basic, and it was just it just bummed me out. Yeah. Uh, the one thing it does have going for it, though, is it has Zazie Beats. I'm a huge Zazie Beats fan, so. Yeah, I like her in High Flying Bird a lot. Yeah. Um, Drew, what's your media hot take? Yeah, so I saw a Free Guy and I loved it. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I am kind of curious about that because it seems like the general consensus is people are like, oh, it's a funny movie. And then apparently not, so. But, you know, the, real quick, though, on that, like, so uh, I. People I've seen people either love it or hate it. Like to me, I've seen from what I've seen on, and this is going for my letterbox, uh, uh, people I follow on letterbox. It it's literally either uh, four, three and a half, four stars, or like one star. Like there's no in between. Either people loved it or hated it. Yeah, I'm in if the one star camp. Yeah, yeah. If you're putting Ryan Reynolds and Taika Waititi as like top billing on your movie, I'm probably not gonna like it. But you know. <laughs> I, the thing that bugs me the most is I love Jodie Comer. I'm a huge fan of Killing Eve. I think she's a super talented actress, and uh, just weird to see her in this is like her big. Break. I will say, from having seen the movie, she definitely comes out of it the most unscathed of the bunch. Where she's like, okay, I could, I could theoretically see her being in a good movie. It's not this one, but mm, okay, you know, Alex Trebek is in that movie, uh, The Last Duel. Yeah, yes, he is. Um, mm. Lots of cameos in that movie that will make your eyes roll if you. Uh, I saw they had like the Among Us poster <laughs> that yeah. they made. They had like, oh, what a free guy about Fortnite. <laughs> this is the future. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my media hot take, much like I think the last film media hot take I gave was old. And I'm continuing the pattern of not doing that. And I guess you could <laughs> technically call this a video game, um, but it's the New York Times crossword app. <laughs> Um, I'm having a great time with it recently. I've got a pretty decent <laughs> streak going. Um, Jed, like th- uh, this sounds like I'm trying to like be silly and cute here, but truthfully, I think, uh, even if you do spend like, you know, a couple bucks on a couple of, couple of puzzle packs, you know, they got all sorts of different themed ones. If you want to like really, there's something that tickles your fancy there. They got a video game one. Then they just got like the general, you got the daily minis for free. Then you have the paid full daily ones and those are tough those will take you forever um but yeah it turns out that crossword puzzles are very satisfying to do uh most of the time unless there are a couple like they do introduce some like gimmick uh puzzles where it's like oh you're trying to do some like tetris thing here you're making it too complicated get out of my face with this but just pure crossword puzzle i don't think it gets better than that so new york times check him out uh, hey i love i love the out of out of the box uh here drew that is why we have these right you know podcasts mm-hmm. video games um you know crossword puzzles well, hey what it's 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 media right and country bears country bears right all right let's uh let's move on to our featured review and just um Again, just a reminder, Owen, so we will be in non-spoilers until I uh, let the audience know that we're moving to spoilers. So as we give our thoughts on The Green Knight, just keep it uh, spoiler-free. 
Drew, why don't you why don't you kick us off, and then Owen, you follow him up, and then I will close out mm-hmm. the circle. Okay. Where to start with this one? Green Knight was a movie that I was very excited to see, as I think many people were. Um, and it's – I don't really know why I was, like, super into it. I thought the trailer was all right, but I only remember seeing it, like, once before, like, Nobody or something. So it had been a little bit. Um and I'm not a huge fan of a ghost story. Granted, I saw it when it came out, which is around the time I was, like, actually starting to figure out, like, oh, what are the, like, types of movies I like? So I feel like there's a good chance I could go back to that one um, at some point in the future and, and get something out of it. But, yeah, Green Knight really, um, really blew me away. I think this is, like, one of the 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 prettiest movies that i've seen it is the like the nicest looking movie i've seen since returning back to theaters i think yeah the like diversity of landscapes that david lowry brings like it's not a a plot heavy movie really at all like you could more or less explain everything that happens sparing a couple details in like two sentences but just the like the vistas that he creates like there are a couple of shots where like my jaw genuinely dropped and like oh holy shit that looks so cool and i think it's also because i'm just like starved for like high fantasy movies like this that are given some kind of budget and i get that like arthurian legend isn't as high fantasy as they come but it's still cool to see like giant uh fucking giants walking all (laughs) over like like that's cool and that's exciting to me and like i thought all the creature design like all the set design was super cool um i think and i haven't read the original legend or like the tolkien adaptation of it but i without getting into the end i think like the third act of this movie kind of like it surprised me a little bit because i mean it it sets you up to be like oh we're we're going in this one direction then by the end i think like totally subverts the like story structure of hero's journey and like the monomyth as a as a sort of storytelling device and i i just couldn't get enough of it i think with a rewatch this could be like a be a five star at some point but not there yet owen owen what do you got for us yeah i mean i am a little different than drew i would say in terms of you know anticipation going into the movie i would say i was very excited from this like from the second like the first poster was released because I am a pretty big fan of David Lowry's other movies. Um, Ain't Them Body Saints is really good. Um, Pete's Dragon is easily the best of the Disney live-action remakes that Pete's they'll Dragon's ever awesome. make, probably. Yeah. Uh, I like the ghost story a lot. And I think The Old Man and the Gun is really underseen. And tons of fun. A great, great... Uh, end point to Redford's career as a leading man um, it's a shame he had to make that cameo in Avengers Endgame to ruin that to be the last movie he goes out on anyway um, but yeah the Green Knight the trailers I was very excited I love Dev Patel I think um, I love Lowry stuff I was I was so disappointed when this movie was especially pushed back um, when like all the movies were being getting pushed back in 2020 because this was like a week away from premiering at like South by Southwest um, before that was canceled in March. Um, but yeah, so it was finally nice to be able to see this movie. Um, and as Drew was saying, especially 
on a big screen because I don't think I've seen a movie this year that's benefited more from, you know, having its images projected as large as possible. Um, I really love the movie. It's my number one of the year so far. I think it's everything it should be. Just from down to, as Drew was saying, like, it's not, like, too plot-based, but I don't really mind when, like, the thematics of it all are so impressive, in my opinion. Like, especially just how it really draws itself all together by the end is so... Like, really just kind of left me pretty stunned by the end result. Like, I was enjoying it throughout. Like, lots of good stuff to to enjoy, but it, it really kicked it up to a new level at the very end. I think it's maybe his best movie, I would say. Yeah. Very much enjoyed this one. Uh, I'll pass it along. I, um, I think I fall somewhere in between you you guys in terms of David Lowry. I really love Anthem Body Saints and Old Man with a Gun. Uh I think are two great movies. I, I'm not I've I've never seen Peach Dragon, so that's a blind spot for me. You, and, you should like watch it with your son or something. Like Peach Dragon is like genuinely an extremely affecting movie and I did yeah. not expect it going into it. I I'll definitely check it out. I I I don't really have a reason not to. I don't know why that one fell through the cracks. Um, then you know, uh, Ghost Story to me was like a fun premise, but it kind of I don't feel like it followed through on a lot of its ideas. And uh, I I don't know. It was a weird it was a weird movie for me. Like I I wanted to like it more than I did. If that makes sense. Um, uh, I think David Lowry is like super super talented i think as a director he is very 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 good he he reminds me in a lot of ways of uh, a young um and i don't i don't mean this in terms of um of lord of the rings but i feel like he has a sense uh of uh, of capturing um landscapes the way that uh peter jackson does and um I think a great example of that is um, just the one of the is the very opening shot of the movie, like that. It, it just it starts with this. Uh, you get a feeling of, of this world, and he uses a lot of fog, right, in this movie. And there's a lot of like, just the way that he plays with light in this movie is, um, I think, unique. And I, I, I think as a director, he is outstanding. I think for me, um, one of the Hardest parts, like I enjoyed this movie. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, I feel like, uh, as far as the story goes, and I, again, I know this is an adapted from a poem, and uh, he probably, he he probably did better than almost anybody else could probably do in adapting this, and and, and it's uh, it's kind of refreshing to see uh, this this take on this type of film, but um, I just I didn't love the script, and I didn't love the story, um. I felt like uh, at times it was um, I don't I, I don't want to say superficial, but I don't feel like it had the depth that I necessarily wanted from from it. Um, I do think that all the performances are just fantastic, um, and 
the designs and the sets, everything about this movie is remarkable. And I, to me, this is a must see on the big screen because this film, this is like, this is movie making to me. Like this is what it means to make a film, right? This is, this is uh gorgeous through and through like a hundred percent just natural talent. Um, and I'm excited to see what Lowry does in the future. Um, I just, I, I can't, I can't totally give this a five. Like I wanted to give this a little bit higher, but I, I think it's a four star review for me. I think mm-hmm. that it just it misses some 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 beats. And um, I, at the end of the day, I I feel like it could have said a lot more about uh, chivalry and what it means to be a, a man than it actually. And ends up saying at the end of the day like i, I won't spoil anything but we'll, i guess we'll i'll just wait we'll talk more about it in spoilers but any other thoughts before we move on i will say um i do think that um the movie this reminds me of the most in recent memory um even though i think thematically it's touching on a lot of the same things that a ghost story is in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but the movie i think it most reminds me of in both you know uh, actual content and reception uh, would definitely be Ad Astra. Yeah. Uh, both movies that are visually beautiful, uh, very interesting psychological journeys in a lot of ways, and I completely understand why people love them, and I completely understand why people are mid on them. Because they're both, like, mildly... Um, they kind of push back against their genre a little bit, whereas, yeah. like without getting into spoilers on green Knight, like it, it is not like a straightforward quest for, for dev Patel necessarily. Like he, like, I guess we, we should get into spoilers soon. Cause I think a lot of the things I really want to say about this are like very spoilery. Mm-hmm. Not that I think this is something, this is not the type of movie where you could, where you're going to ruin it for yourself right. by knowing everything. Yeah, Cause it is such like a, I mean like adapted from a poem, like, and kind of going to what you were saying about like the plotting itself, I don't. It didn't really bother me that much that it wasn't trying to say anything that specific. Mainly because, you know, we're we're pulling the story from a, an era of storytelling. You know, like mm-hmm. pre movies or anything. We're like, yeah, you're not telling this story to like, oh, let's dissect the themes and characters. It's, I mean, to an extent, it's that, but it's like, okay, we're testing this type of person like okay this you know like kind of fail nephew to the king like he just kind of fucks around but he's like happy doing what he's doing and put on this grand quest and then ends up subverting the genre through the events of the movie it's like oh yeah like not the chosen one but effectively oh you have to go on this quest quickly realizes he's like in way over his head and then goes from there and i think that's where the the main um like conflict of the movie comes from is just like him realizing over time, like, Oh shit, like this is, this is not who I am. Mm -hmm. And like kind of punishing him constantly for not being true to like the person he is. Every time he tries to extend himself past like what he is capable of, like he's almost always punished by like pain or, you know, other things. (laughs) He's made an awful mistake. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, all right, yeah, so I guess uh, anything else you want to say, Owen, or we can move this into spoiler territory? I'd say we just go straight into it. Let's, All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, 
you know, cut it down. I can All say. Right. <laughs> All right, let's spoil the shot of this. If you don't want to hear spoilers for The Green Knight, stop listening right now. What? Honey! Wow! Are you kidding really? me? Really? You just ruin it every oh, time! Uh, I'll see you at home! Wait so a second! Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? Oh my god, the night is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. So I, I guess, um, I, my, like my biggest issue with the storytelling and I don't know this, like, I don't know this poem. I don't know anything necessarily about the story, but when it's kind of revealed that this is his, um, mom, that's kind of pulling the strings. Um, I don't know. I just felt like, uh, and do you guys know? I guess you say is that is that true to the to the actual story? I'm not too familiar with the actual yeah, story know. either, but I yeah I think it's left very ambiguous in the actual movie, like what the intentions are of of his mother for you know planting the seed for for this adventure to uh, occur. Um, I see it as. You know, she's very much trying to uh, push him to into uh, doing the right thing and becoming the man he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a doomed quest um, that he uh, continuously uh, <laughs> falls into trouble with. And I guess, okay, and again, I'm trying to work myself through this because ultimately this movie is very ambiguous, and I think that's kind of where I have uh, a lot of trouble Mm -hmm. with it is there is a lot of – and and, and I think David Lowry, this is how he likes to make films. He likes to to, for you to interpret his art, it feels like. Um, And I'm okay with that. It's just I'm having a little bit of trouble uh, getting over some some of this, and and hopefully you guys – uh, can help me with it. And again, like I said, I enjoyed this film. I mean, I think it's gorgeous. I think it's well acted. It's 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 enjoyable. I I loved every moment I, I was watching it. But at the end, I just was asking myself so many questions. Um, so it, none of this was of consequence, right? Like, is that the way that we we take this? Like, in the end, like it's this is just a morality tale, almost. There's- a, two ways to look at it from what I've gathered because the initial reaction I had coming out of the theater was that the movie ending the way it does is very much like a statement that he's doomed either way which I don't entirely Mm -hmm. believe anymore like I do think it's it's him deciding to stay and go through with it is like meant to be him uh you know accepting his fate no matter what happens but i do kind of see that like you know when even though the green knight says off with his head off with your head at the very Mm -hmm. end that like um you know it's about what we don't see in that moment that you know he finally did learn his lesson regardless of if he dies or not following this moment what i do know about the original poem is that this ending is very different from that and that the original ending of the poem is basically that he, the green knight does let him go and he, and he goes back to his town, uh, having learned his lesson. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Like I, I really do like how this movie ends a lot. Just the whole montage sequence was really breathtaking. 
um, of just like the, like the what could happen mm-hmm. <laughs> scenario. The, the, the if what could happen continues to be a coward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And framing like cowardice as going through with this, like very chivalrous quest of like, Oh no, like you're basically doing this. Cause like you lied to everyone and you're like mm-hmm. kind of cheating your way through this. Like I, I really enjoyed that. And he's doomed to a life of endless despair. Yeah, we're just fucking everyone hates him. It's like, oh, you're yeah. the king. You have everything <laughs> you want, but this is not who you are, and this is like not what you were born to do. Even if it's like disappointing right. to the people around you, like that. I think as like the core moral of this, I think it it nails that pretty hard, and I I think it's maybe not hard to miss. Isn't the the right phrasing, but I think it's like pretty unambiguous with with that aspect. Yeah, I, I I I don't disagree with that. I I think that like again like these are I'm I'm not really like trying to like uh, shit on the film. I'm I'm really just trying to work out my own um like my own thoughts a little bit still. Like it's hard for me to review this movie because like I said on one hand I absolutely loved it and I was like mesmerized by it. Um but then on the other hand I had like all these questions le- leading out of it and I felt like a little like have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Enemy? Um, right, yeah. Uh, like the scary movie. spider. Yeah, like I, I, I end up loving that movie on the second rewatch. Like I think it's like way underrated. And but I had similar things coming out of that. Like, um, like what? Like honestly, like what the fuck did I just watch? Like what? What's the point of this ending kind of thing? And I feel that way with this too. I feel like I need to watch it again. And to, just to be transparent with you, Owen, I just watched this last night, so I, I'm still kind of working through my thoughts on this a little bit. Right. And I just i I feel like um, I, I really need to see it again to get a full grasp on it. But I, I think that it, it's probably one of those movies that uh, over time, the more I watch it, the more it'll kind of you know, um, it'll it'll kind of. More, be be uh, a a movie that I might enjoy more, and it's not and not that I didn't enjoy it. I'm just I'm I'm having really uh, a really tough time expressing my thoughts, particularly on on that ending. Which like I agree with you guys, the, the ending is beautiful. It's a beautiful ending. Like and that montage is is fantastic. And um, just I I think this world that that Lowry has built is um just it's a magnificent piece of filmmaking. And and the budget wasn't big either like uh, it's very small it's like 15 million i think i read and when you see this you're just like wow this is a this and then you see that fucking shot with the giants where they're framed like a normal size guy and he's a tiny guy and it's like oh damn that's the coolest shot in any movie ever that and then m night looking through the camera and old so good good. all right go ahead and uh give your thoughts i'm so i took up a huge chunk of this and i don't know that we got much accomplished uh with me like uh, mumbling and staggering along but spoil uh, one spoil. thing oh sorry i just said spoil it oh yeah okay <laughs> so so to to start earlier in the movie before we we keep getting at the end uh fucking barry keoghan this little stinker is never <laughs> doing what he's supposed he to be doing stinker. he's always sneaking onto the boat in dunkirk He's fucking doing hexes and killing of a sacred deer. Eating some spaghetti. He's looking really dirty doing it. Yeah, looking dirty. Is is this man doomed to only play people who lie and steal and trespass for his entire life? Does he just have a sinister face? Uh, You should see him in the TV show uh, Chernobyl. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't know he was in that. Damn. Yeah, he 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 he's very more, he's much more sympathetic in in, in that than, than than anything else that you've mentioned. But go go ahead. Every Drew. time. Yeah, like I didn't, I had no idea he was showing up in this movie, but the second he did, it's like, oh yeah, that is exactly the person you would cast in this movie. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll always love to see that guy. Um, but yeah, right off the bat, I I think just like kind of going back to like the visual poetry, just the very simple language of like, oh, here's all the new vistas he's seeing, and he's one one maybe ugly looking part of this movie is that cg fox gave me some no country for old men deer vibes <laughs> a couple of times i was like oh that that does not look great and i wish maybe they just did something else but like just watching dev patel wander around this world and like god they're just so many small moments and then just like everyone he's meeting and the fucking shit with um uh what's his name uh Joel Joel Edgerton, yeah. Joel Edgerton and uh Alicia Vikander. Yeah, fucking like the hottest couple in Hollywood. Right. And then he's <laughs> cocking Joel Edgerton and busting on a sacred belt and then kissing oh. Joel Edgerton. Like <laughs> we gotta talk about the belt because oh boy. <laughs> the belt stays Honestly, on. <laughs> the the one the one scene in this movie where I'm like, I I don't really know what you're getting at here was Dev Patel shooting ropes onto the belt <laughs> but you know it was fought like it's cool he sinned yeah that's true yeah <laughs> he obeyed he disobeyed his lover the uh, yeah right uh the okay here's the other part of the movie that confused me and maybe it, this is like not any like uh, and maybe it's simple maybe i'm just dumb how did the green sash get back how 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 did he get the green sash back? Are you guys? Man, that's a very good question. <laughs> I, I yeah I I need to watch this movie again to to completely pay attention to a detail like that exactly. Sorry, uh, it, it's one of those things that just kind of uh, bothered me because it it it's like a one of those things where it's like okay I understand his mom is kind of pulling the strings did did she just like make that like I I. I feel like there's some kind of significance that I missed in in She's like Dev Patel's like, hold on, I can only I can only come when I'm wearing <laughs> this belt my mom gave me. <laughs> hey. Oh man. Uh that's uh that's uh, hey, we all have that problem, right? We all need that belt that our mother gave us. Um Yeah, it keeps our head on. <laughs> uh also when you I, I think one of the it's probably one of the most um shocking scenes uh, is with when he is confronts the green knight were you guys like both like look like just like what the hell is this guy thinking like in the beginning or the end in the very beginning that i saw in the trailer mm. they show most of that scene and like the challenge happening okay. i i want to say but like god i love the set design for king arthur's like I don't even know what you'd call that room. Like his his great hall or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. It like, is awesome. N- n- yeah, nothing in this movie looks like you're never. It's like there's plenty of breathtaking shots, but it's never like wow. Look at how like beautiful this room is. Mm-hmm. It's like oh yeah, this is just like a damp fucking stone room where everyone's like kind of unhappy and mumbling to each other, and it just like has such a 
uh, like a tactile feel to it, especially like the Green Knight has so much weight too when he moves. Like I love like it had to have been a costume. Like it's clearly it's prosthetics, prosthetics on something. Yeah. yeah, but it like just the way he moves and like the sound design of it all just like oh, it it it, uh, it feels so much realer than what you'd expect from like another not that there are other movies like this coming up but like king arthur legend of the sword <laughs> right something like that yeah uh first of all the actor who plays the green knight is the dad from the witch um oh, oh really wow yeah fun fact there very much keeping it in the family a24 <laughs> yeah this one. um yeah i agree drew i think the movie looks very lived in which i appreciate because even though the cinematography as we said is very visually striking and beautiful um, you know, sometimes with these movies, like, you know, Lowry's and Geneva lives to some extent, sometimes a lot of the look of them, uh, you know, you can look at like screenshots of them and be like, oh, you know, they just framed it this way so that they can end up on one perfect shot. Exactly. Um, but like, I do think this movie does a good job of like, you know, being grimy in the details and actually having real color to distinguish the sequences and stuff. Um, so I very much appreciate that, I would say. You know, and, and again, so like I, I compare this to Peter Jackson. And when I, I I was when I'm saying that, have you guys ever seen Heavenly Creatures? I haven't. I need to. Just like no, the haven't. way that he uses light in that movie, like it was really reminiscent of this. And, I, you know, obviously we're talking about fantasy realms. And so it's easy to pull in Peter Jackson. But obviously that movie, Heavenly Creatures, has nothing to do with fantasy whatsoever. Um, yeah. It just like you can see the the edges of somebody who really uh, takes camera work and uh, light and cinematography uh, as part of the atmosphere, right? And part of the process of making a movie, um, especially a movie like this, where um, so much about this movie is the atmosphere, right? Like it's you have to build this world to make everything mesh. Um, and, you know, I wanted to give a shout out to the cinematographer, Andrew Draws Palermo, who is – he's done all of Lowry's films, I think. Well, he's done, he's done The Ghost Story, so I, I lied. Yeah. He, he did this in The Ghost Story, but he also did Your Next, which is one of my favorites. Um, so uh, That movie kicks ass. Just so he's – he's obviously – he's a young dude. He's very talented um, cinemato- cinematographer in my mind, and I, I can't – I really just cannot say – I, I just want to heap praise on on the crew in this movie because like the production is just like you mentioned that 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 night all the makeup all the costumes like this is just top notch filmmaking and I I can't get I, I just can't get over how well this film is made. Yeah, another interesting detail about the movie that I read while reading interviews with Lowry talking about the movie is that when this movie was supposed to come out uh, last year in twenty twenty. Like, the cut that they had ready oh, to premiere yeah. was, uh, like, 90 minutes or something, apparently. Damn. Like, very, very sparse with it. Um, but apparently, like, during the the lockdown, he he went back and re-edited the whole movie. He um, hated it. He hated the original cut, apparently. Yeah, which is very interesting. Like, I'm kind of interested to see what that cut looked like exactly because, like, I do think the movie is pretty sparse with, like, the actual journeys it goes on, which I don't mind because I feel like it gives enough detail on each of them to, you know, be okay with it. But, like, a 90-minute version must be really zooming through these plot beats. I don't know. Yeah, and like I said, apparently he hated that movie. 
like he he was like uh, he, I read an interview too um, where he said he was thankful that he got a chance to go back and and recut the movie because yeah. it, initially you know uh, it, it was like you said it was supposed to be released a lot earlier and this is a completely different cut and one that is uh, I think he's wholly satisfied with at least I hope he very will be. odd circumstances though yeah <laughs> yeah for sure for sure you don't you don't get that but there I like that is you know. That is like a pro- – I'm going on a, on a side team here. That's like a problem in Hollywood though, right? Like I, artists need to be able to step away from their art and, and, and then come back to it because with fresh eyes. Like that that is a thing, you know. Um, sometimes when you become so immersed in something, uh, you kind of lose uh, sight of, of the vision. Um, and I, 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 would, I would like to see more directors be able to, yeah. to take their time with their cuts. Yeah. Um, and Lowry edited the movie himself. Right. So. You know, it was all him. <laughs> yeah, the original cut was 90 minutes long because uh, uh, Dev Patel busted super quick in that one. Then they did reshoots, <laughs> and they're like, all right, man. You got to build up your stamina. Pull that belt a little bit tighter. <laughs> um, There's a, a podcast that I'm planning on listening to uh, that I think is going to help me uh, understand this movie a little bit better. Uh, the the sla- Formerly the Slash Filmcast. I don't know if you're familiar with with the Slash Filmcast. Now the Filmcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have on... Uh, uh, Alicia Grasso, who is a, um, she's a, she, she's a writer for Screen Rant, but she's also a, um, Authorian, uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, um, like scholar. Like she's mm-hmm. studied the, uh, you know, uh, the, the Arthur stories and she, she, so I, I'm interested to hear her thoughts on this. And, uh, I, I read her small review of it and she, she loved the, the movie. Um, so I think that is, a bonus but um what else anything else you guys want to spoil or you want to talk about uh um you know uh dev patel kiss uh joel edgerton kisses uh dev patel at one part yeah we uh, gotta get back to that which kind of comes out of nowhere um no it doesn't no no <laughs> they're 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 the you could cut the tension between those two with a knife for the 20 <laughs> minutes that come before it it is palpable yeah, well, I don't know. It, it, felt, <laughs> it was very, it felt very out of place when I when I was watching it. I was like, okay, that's like interesting, I guess. Yeah, that is like the most, like as much as I like this movie, I also recognize that if somebody's coming into this being like, all oh, these fucking A twenty four elevated whatever <laughs> movies, like yeah, this is really gonna piss you off because like it definitely as beautiful as this movie looks is going for like the fucking i don't even know what you would call this like very specific like as you were saying Owen, like denny i don't know what other directors are really doing like, yeah, yeah, even yeah. like chris nolan to some extent we're just like very showy and like gimmicky sometimes and everything's like framed perfectly and i guess nolan's not a great example at least for this movie but just like these directors that people point Instagram out, like, oh, framing, yeah, yeah, for like fucking Reddit screenshots, and like this is definitely guilty of that. But I also think it, like it those cool. individual <laughs> frames that you do screen cap are just like individually much better framed than most other movies. Yeah. People would fucking circle jerk around. I definitely agree with that for sure, uh, and and I think like um, the casting, like we haven't really talked a lot about the casting. Uh, and even though this movie feels like an A24 casting <laughs> uh, onslaught, right? I think uh-huh. that it's perfectly cast. Like I, I think choosing Dev Patel in this in this role was um, it was ballsy, right? Because 
um, you know, not that he's an unknown entity in Hollywood, but I think that just it was out of the box casting, and I loved it, and I thought he was phenomenal in this. And yeah, then he's the guy who hasn't. Uh, sorry, Ryan. Good. Um, I was just gonna say, like, he's a guy who like. Even though he was in like a Best Picture winner in two thousand eight, like hasn't really at that a movie that he's the lead of, he hasn't really gotten the chance to be the lead of that many movies since. I would say, yeah, so it's really nice to see him, you know, be like really competent as the lead of this movie, where you're just like, wow, he should be the lead in more things. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, like, he's got presence, and he's given. Like, he has to do as much in this movie as, like, Leo and The Revenant. Like, this is just like, oh, yeah, we're following basically just you around for two hours. Like, and that is, you know, I'm no actor. I've done very little acting in my life. Probably very difficult. And for somebody who doesn't have the, like, star power that, you know, like, somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio does to, like, pull a performance this good and, like, this consistently compelling. Because... Again, he's not like walking around talking to himself. A lot of it is like, oh, he's looking at the fox. Oh, he's looking <laughs> yeah, at the giant. Right. And I'm like, damn, this is the fucking coolest shit of all time. It's like, oh, he's grimacing with a crown on his head. I'm like, fuck yeah, he is. This is the <laughs> pump the shit looks in my veins. Looks fucking rad, yeah. He does. No, he, he looks sad. It, you're missing the. Po- I'm the only one who gets this movie on this podcast. <laughs> I I truly though think that he has a potential to be a leading man. Like I I, I think that um I I feel like he needs like they, people need to cast him in more things. Like yeah, they, really do. Like he's great. <laughs> um and and you know I I'm a I, I'll just be the first to admit I'm a Alicia Vikander um stan. I think she's a terrific actress. I absolutely. Uh, love her. Um, she's had some questionable choices, I think. In the, That's the, what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's definitely made some questionable choices in, in the movies that she's made um, since probably X-Men. Alicia Vikander is Tomb Raider. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I I think her, like, uh, I don't know if you've, either of you have seen The Danish Girl, but I feel like her performance in The Danish Girl is terrific. Like, and I say that. Uh, w- with some fame because I am not an Eddie Redmayne fan or uh, an Amber Heard fan so like I feel like it might have been a little bit easier to act against those two but I felt like she stole that film um, and uh, I haven't seen The Light Between Oceans because I just don't want to punish myself like that but you're missing out it's, uh, yeah Alicia's career it's you know I agree great next machina probably deserved best supporting actress that year I would say she won it for the Danish girl which, uh, you know, was problematic at the time, I'm sure is uh, an even more problematic movie to watch now. Um, uh, yeah, lots of boring movies, as we're saying. Light Between Jason Oceans. Bourne. She was in a really bad movie, uh, Tool Fever, uh, but uh, the really bad movie I watched was uh, Earthquake Bird, which was a Netflix original that she was in a few years ago that was very bad i forgot about that movie i totally forgot about that movie yeah yeah she's like she's like pretty good in this movie like i she plays two roles Mm -hmm. um and you know like she i think she delivers when she has to be you know very sensual um come the the third act when they're at the joel egerton house for for 20 minutes yeah and one last shout out in casting and acting i think um uh, and, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. Sarita Chaudhry uh, is phenomenal as um, yeah. mother. Uh, just like she's got this like very um, uh, 
uh, this is going to sound really weird, uh, motherly beauty about her. Like she's just very like, uh, I don't know. There's something comforting about her visually for me. I don't know what that, if that I'm saying it right, but like, I just like, I really enjoyed her in, in that role. And, uh, she too, it needs, um, more, more roles. Yeah. She has a, like, yeah, very, I mean, I going along with like what I was saying earlier about how like the set design of the movies like very lived in. She has like a very lived in face. I yeah. want to say where it's just like, Oh, you like, you look at this person, you're like, Oh, they've seen some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Her and Barry. Yeah. And where you're just like, yeah, Barry, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it just feels like, I don't know. She has like a warmth about her though to me as, as well. Um, uh-huh. um, yeah. Uh, I thought, uh, who is he? Sean Harris as the King. I thought mm. that was a very understated performance for yeah. like, was not expecting that character to be sort of like delivered that way for the entire movie. But I like ended up really liking that character by the end of it, even though mm-hmm. he's like pushing Dev Patelli, like, never gives the sense that he's like coming from like a a horrible place like yeah. I, don't know, I i i really like that performance a lot actually one thing about sean harris i have to add though best voice in the business like oh anytime that God, guy yeah. talks i'm like yes on theater speakers too you got that dolby uh, yeah. surround sound <laughs> he's got such a nice crispness to that to that quality like oh anytime he's delivering a monologue in this or the last two mission impossibles or like his like brief role in prometheus i'm like yes sean sean harris is uh he he is one of those actors that again needs more roles, but I want to see him as like a, like a really good villain. Like I, like I'm talking like, you know, like just chewing up a scenery. Cause I don't feel like in a lot of his movies, even movies that he's had like a, a bigger role in like the King uh, or like the mission impossible stuff. Like I want to see him chew up some scenery, like literally like just do some acting and maybe he has, and I haven't seen that role because he's done a lot of stuff that I haven't seen, but like, I want to see him like, just go at it. Cause I feel like everything he does is kind of like, just kind of held back and a little understated. Yeah. I like, I enjoyed the quietness to his voice though. I don't know how big I want to see this voice go. That's just how I feel. He should play Santa. Santa? <laughs> like an evil Santa. No, like a like a play Santa exactly like he plays the king in this movie. Just like, hey. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> have you, like, oh, uh, oh, listen, man, like I know this is probably really gonna suck, but I need you to make some extra toys. Have you ever seen the movie <laughs> with Michael Caine, um, Harry Brown? I'm very familiar with the poster, but I've never seen it yet. Yeah, same here. I, I he's in that movie, and I wonder. I just wonder how how his performance is that. That's always a movie that I've always like see, and I, it, yeah, the poster's kind of iconic, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Do do I want to see that movie? A DVD that's just always around for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, guys. Anything else you want to say about the Green Knight? Um. Before we close it out. Check it before they fucking boot it from theaters, which is probably going to happen soon. As we're recording this podcast, A24 is doing their like digital screening on their website. Yeah, they pay yeah. like 20 bucks too. If you're going to see this movie, like as long as you're comfortable, don't fucking fuck yourself. You should go <laughs> see it in the theater. It's worth your time of any like this is the movie that is most worth seeing returning to the like back in a theater. Like it, it's made basically everything else I've seen in theaters since then be like, Oh, that was like kind of a joke. And I was just seeing it to go back in theaters. But this is what the movies are about folks. And 
yeah, the honestly, they're gonna shut down again in like three months, and Don't yeah, it'll be the last. It'll be the last great movie to ever come out in theaters. So, <laughs> be a part of history, folks. Uh, your last th- thoughts, Owen? Uh, I will say, uh, I do agree with Drew that I feel like this year, especially, has made it very clear that there's a very low discrepancy between movies that go to theaters and movies that go to streaming. They're very interchangeable. Uh, but I will say that this movie proves why we need movie theaters <laughs> to see a movie on a screen that can just completely enrapture you for two hours with no distractions and just completely live in this world for two hours. And in that regard, great movie. Loved it. Can't wait to watch it again. Need a 4K Blu-ray. Like this thing's going to look, oh, yeah. this kind of thing's going to look sick in 4K. I know for sure. Does A24 uh, do those well, they distribute them through Lionsgate. It's like maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's who's also, I have a, I have a DVD rant for the very end of this podcast, but we'll finish out these closing thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I I concur with everything. This is a movie that needs to be seen in the theater. Um, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Um, I just, it is gorgeous. I I I can't express again. This movie is what going to see movies is about. Like this is. Uh, filmmaking at its best like this is uh what when when i think of you know what filmmaking is and and what it should be um it's you know i'm not i'm not trying to shit on a movie like um the free guy or even like dc or marvel like i'm not i'm not saying anything about that type of movie but this (laughs) but this is what filmmaking is about you know uh just painstaking work to make a movie not only look great but um it's it's just directed perfectly acted perfectly um you know hopefully i'll see it again i probably won't be able to see it in the theater but i I would really like to i I just i want to work out my thoughts a little more on this and um maybe eventually i'll have a written review uh on our on our website coldapop.com where i have a little bit more nuanced uh view of the ending but I, I i really think that uh i would recommend this to anybody who loves uh, who loves movies for sure check it out um drew i don't i don't i don't know what we're going to be reviewing next um maybe maybe next would maybe next uh podcast we can do the parallax parallax yeah yeah all right let's uh gotta figure out a double feature for that but but before we before we close up this episode i got i gotta get something off my chest i'm sure owen will have some strong feelings about this he and i have already discussed the matter a little bit this is a a sort of a two-headed complaint i have for the film industry especially in the year of our lord 2021 um it seems to me as if movie studios are very interested in killing the uh, two best ways to consume film, which is going to the theater and then uh, buying a physical copy that you can keep forever yourself. I was shocked. First of all, Northborough, Massachusetts, Best Buy, down to one DVD and Blu-ray aisle. Wow. It, very pathetic. It's so sad. But also, like, these movies, folks, I thought A Quiet Place 2 was still in theaters. Isn't it? It is. They're, it's they're really, they're really rushing the Blu-rays these days, I have yeah. to say. Like, Spiral was out on Blu-ray, like, only, like, a month and a half after it was in theaters. And, like, I get that they're doing the whole, like, 45-day window now. Like, that's, like, the lowest, like, a, like a theatrical. It used to be 90, and now it's 45. 
And, you know, none of that even matters anymore because, you know, HBO Max and Disney Plus will put stuff up the you know, same day. Um, but, yeah, especially in the age when, you know, more and more movies become streaming service exclusives, then that leads to less home entertainment companies having the rights to actually put these movies out on discs. So, you know, if a streaming service goes under one day, like... I don't know. Like, are we just never going to have a Blu-ray of, uh, uh, that's a good example. Uh, that isn't the Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say like, um, the, the only one that's coming to mind because I was just reading about that, uh, uh, Amazon bought the rights to hotel Transylvania four for a hundred million (laughs) dollars. yesterday. Yeah. That that old gym. Yeah, so maybe that'll never be released on Blu-ray. Um, very sad for fans of the Hotel Transylvania and Blobby character. I'm still holding out for a Criterion box set of the Hotel Transylvania series. Deserve. But I guess, like, the overall point I'm trying to make here is, like, it just becomes increasingly obvious with, like, every day, basically, that studios have realized like oh the profit margins for just distributing this ourselves and also not having to print discs is like so much higher than what it was before which like fair enough and theaters are like middlemen in the like chorused essence of the word Mm -hmm. but i also think we're very quickly going down a path where every fucking movie is just going to be like fear street or the tomorrow war and everything is just going to be like oh yeah this is you watch this and you're like also on facebook at the same time and like you fell asleep halfway through it and it's fine because content i know i hate it so much. i i i honestly <laughs> think that you're going to see a uh, a a rebound in the physical media market um similar to like records right like i i, I truly believe that um because as Easy as it is to, um, it, we, we've had this conversation on the on the Midnight Film Review in the past, um, uh, and in this is I think um, I've understated. We've talked specifically about video games, I think, um, in the past. But like having a physical copy in your hand, just it just there's just something about it, right? There's just something about having that tangible thing in your hand. And sure, I could get a you know 500 terabyte um, hard drive and fill it with. Uh, all kinds of, of films, but it just isn't the same, right? It's not the same. As- I completely agree. I would say, you know, the more physical media copies that exist, the more a movie feels real, in my opinion, sometimes. Yeah. Where I'm like, streaming services will release movies every week till the day we die at this point. Like, it's just a fact. Um, but to actually have a physical copy of a movie like The Irishman or something is like, wow, like, it's set in stone now. <laughs> like, yeah, no one don't... can take this away from me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I can fucking scan this thing through my yeah. PC Blu-ray drive as many times as I want. And guess what? I have the Blu-ray, and I have it on a hard drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Suck on that, one, Hollywood. One other thing I will say about the points that have been raised is that. Yes, I do think that the collector market for physical media is definitely on the rise. I think the bigger issue is the major studios, uh, you know, releasing their actual like 
lineups of movies that come out nowadays. Like collector stuff, like Paramount's been releasing a lot of Blu-rays of like archive titles that they've never released on Blu-ray yeah. before recently. Uh, and like new 4K restorations, good stuff. Criterion just announced last week they're starting to release movies in 4K, yeah. which has been a long time coming. And so that's pretty exciting for for us uh, physical media heads, I would say. And, you know, you've always got your shout factories for sure. Um, so, yeah, it'll I mean, still, it'll it'll be a sad day when I can't like walk into Walmart and like buy something is. stupid for five dollars. Because sure. it's like, yeah, there's this like boutique collection market for it. But it's also like, oh, yeah, I wait once a year to buy any Criterion movie. So I don't yeah. pay forty dollars for one Blu-ray. And it's like, yeah, I want to support stuff like this. But it is cost prohibitively expensive to have. <laughs> like any sort of like meaningful collection for most people. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, guys, uh, we gotta, we gotta run. This is a, uh, one of the longest episodes we've had in a long time. Drew. Um, good, good talking to you guys. Uh, Owen, if we wanted to find you on the interwebs, would you like to share any, uh, social media, your letterbox handle or, um, possibly your podcast? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Um, my, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at styleboy for life uh, for the number. It's a reference to the film Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, of course. A masterpiece. Masterpiece. Um, it's my, letter, my letterbox is my name, Owen Larkin. I have a podcast uh, called Theater 10 where we talk about whatever movies opened in wide release 10 years ago. Um we kind of record episodes whenever we want uh, now, um, but you know, it's fun when we do. Um, it's 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 a it's a it's a fun premise. Uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the letterbox followers though. So you know, awesome. Yeah, yeah you're gonna sell that account once you hit a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye.